0: Mm, love that song. Um, so, reckless. What does it mean? Utterly unconcerned about the consequences of some action without caution. Careless. So, unconcerned about the consequences. Not unaware of the consequences, but unconcerned. So, in order to go all in for anything, you have to be reckless. And I'm going to build the case for that right now. Um, when I say the word reckless, most of you guys hear the word reckless, but you're actually thinking of the definition of foolishness um, because those are, those are closely associated, right? A fool can be reckless if they haven't counted the cost or better yet, if, if the cost outweighs the cause, right? If, if, if you um, risk your life to do parkour on the top of the highest buildings, um, and the reward is becoming a YouTube sensation, then the cost outweighs the cause. Fellas in the room, if you say the first thing that comes to your mind when your wife asks you how she looks in that dress, then, uh, then you, the cost outweighs the cause, right? You, that might be a little bit foolish. Here's your sign, right? You don't do that, right? So when is it a good time to risk it for the biscuit? You guys knew that was coming. When is a good time to risk it for the biscuit? You'd have to be pretty sure. If you're gonna risk your whole life for something, you'd have to be pretty sure that the reward is actually real and that the reward is good enough. You'd have to have a security in that. Uh, And that's actually a really good word. It means, security means freedom from care, anxiety, or doubt. Not that there is no care or anxiety or doubt, but that you have a freedom from those and a well-founded confidence. So the kind of recklessness that we're talking about today isn't foolishness at all. It's confidence. It's boldness that comes from knowing what we will find when we go all in for Christ and knowing that the end results, the reward is worth it, that it is worth the cost that we're paying, the price that we're paying, confidence that leads to reckless obedience. Like a missionary um, who becomes a martyr because they're willing to give everything, right? Not every missionary becomes a martyr, but every missionary has to be ready. They have to be willing and they have to know, they have to count the cost and they have to say, you know what, I'm all in, even if that means the worst could happen to me. You know, it reminds me of the old song, and if you've been going to church for long enough, you would recognize it. Um, It it says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. The cross before me, the world behind me. It's this kind of recklessness. And look, to go all in, you must be reckless. You have to surrender your will in order to be reckless and have this obedience. And Jesus is the perfect example of that. He shows us in Philippians two, which is where we're gonna camp out today. If you have your Bibles um, or your Bible app, pull out your phone. Jesus shows us this reckless obedience in Philippians two, five through eight. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So where does it start? Starts in the mind. He has a mindset. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The word here is kenosis. It's, in the Greek, it means Emptying. Now, it's important to note, Jesus did not empty himself of his divine qualities, but he did empty himself of his will. He completely surrendered to his Father's plan, no matter what the cost, even obedient to death on a cross. So I love the first part of that, though. It says that to, to be reckless obedient, it starts in the mind. It's a mindset. You have to decide in your mind first that no matter what, I'm going to obey somebody else's will. That's very hard to do. But Jesus showed us that this is reckless is a mindset, um, and He says that we're supposed to have this mindset in our relationships with one another. Why is that so important? I thought, you know, why isn't it just reckless for myself? Like, just to just to win the prize for myself. If I'm if I'm being reckless and I'm trying to get a reward and I'm trying to do all that, that's just for me, right? Why is, it te- why is it so important that we have a reckless mindset with each other? Right, Jesus, it says that he made himself nothing. Do we make ourselves nothing? Have we decided in our minds that it's not about me, I'm gonna love recklessly, I'm gonna treat other people like and I, that, that I'm nothing, I'm gonna prefer others above myself? Jesus made himself nothing, he became a servant. Are you a servant in your relationships with others? Are you reckless? That's a reckless decision to make because there's consequences to that, right? Jesus humbled himself, okay? So we're supposed to have that mindset with each other. Again, being reckless does not mean that you are unaware of the consequences but that you're unconcerned with the consequences, right? What are the consequences? If, you were to, if I were to love you, um, recklessly like Jesus and have this mindset and become nothing and become a servant to you, what could happen? You could reject me. Guess what? Jesus was rejected a lot. What, could, what are the consequences? People could take advantage of you. People could not love you in return. People could... Um, not be appreciative. They could, their pride and arrogance could get so big that they actually want you to be their servant. Like, yeah, come on. Oh, you're gonna love me and be my servant? Come do the dishes. I got a whole, whole house full of chores. That could happen, right? But we are supposed to be carefree. We're supposed to have a security and be free from caring about how the consequences and how other people might take advantage of us. And we're supposed to just love each other, have this mindset of Christ to just love each other recklessly. Men, we're actually told to love our wives like this. To love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Do we love our wives recklessly? Even if we don't think they appreciate it. Even if we don't get anything in return. Do we we love our wives recklessly? And this is is the love that, that Christ has demonstrated for us on the cross. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So not because we deserve it, not because we loved him back, not because of any of those things, but while we were sinners, while we were his foe, while we were his enemy, he loved us. I I firmly believe this, that things would be so different if we recklessly were obedient to God's command for us to love him and to love others as Christ loved us. Things would be so different, not because they're worthy, not because they deserve it, but because he loved us. Not because we're gonna get something in return if we do, but because he loved us. God demonstrated his own love for us in this. So Paul continues. He says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. I love how Paul says this. He says, look, I know that you guys are obedient and things, you know, but it's even more important that you're obedient even in my absence. (laughs) Why? It makes me think of um, that very important conversation that happens, you know, when I was a kid, my parents, when they were gonna leave the house and leave us kids in the house, um, that very important conversation where they're like, okay, kids, here's the deal, no fighting, no arguing, no punching, no kicking, no, no biting. Like they would go through the whole list of things, right? And then, eh, please, can you guys just do your chores, uh, clean the house, clean your rooms? Like they're going through all these things, why is that so important when they're, when they're not going to be there? Because what, what could potentially get in the way of their will happening? What gets in the way? My will, <laughs> right? I know what's going to happen. When my kids, when, when I give my kids instruction or when I tell them not to argue and not to fight and I walk out of the room, I know exactly what's going to happen. As soon as I walk the room and I'm not watching, their will is going to be prominent, not mine. Um, it's much harder to obey when somebody is not watching, right? Um, but Paul is saying here, look, it's important that you keep, continue to obey in my absence because here's the deal. You're not obeying my will. It's God's will that you're obeying. And guess what? He's always watching. And not only that, but he's the one who's going to work in you. He's going to live inside of you. He's going to be working inside of you. Let's all read that verse together. Verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And then he goes on to say, Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault, in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. See, just like a parent, God does not like a bad attitude. Don't you wish that your kids would just selflessly, recklessly obey your will without complaining and without arguing? Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be just be amazing? My daughters are beautiful princesses. I love my two girls, Mariah and Selah. I love them. But I know exactly what's gonna happen. Their, their will is strong, and I'm trying to break their will. The other day, uh, a, a few days ago, I had this moment where I was like, God, is it happening? Is this, is this real? Is this real life? My oldest child, she woke up, apparently just woke up on the right side of bed. I don't know. But something I had been training her over the years got through to her, I, I'm thinking to myself, right? Because she woke up, and it wasn't the usual, like, you know, attitude I was getting. I, she woke up, and she was ready to go. She was telling her sister, like, hey, Let's clean our rooms today. Let's let's clean the house for mom and dad. Let's like I'm like, "What? What's happening?" Like, "God, is this the moment? Have I broken her will?" <laughs> this is a good day, right? And she even she even wrote out a list. She got a piece of paper out and she's writing all the chores down. She even told me what I'm supposed to do. "Dad, here's your chores. Here's what you're supposed to do." I mean, I'm like, "This is great." And she was having a just a great attitude like if i told her no on something she was like okay dad i'm like what is happening this is awesome i thought i had broken through but then the next day it was you know back to <laughs> back to normal but i'm in that process of, of of breaking her will look god doesn't like grumbling and complaining he 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 wants us to obe- our will to be completely surrendered and completely broken he wants us to be reckless in our attitudes not robot obedience. Reckless obedience isn't robot obedience. Of course, there's going to be some days where you want to um, fight against it, and um, there's going to be some days where you want to complain. That's not good. Um, We have examples of that in Scripture. Plenty of times where, like, for instance, David in the book of Psalms, you can read these Psalms, and at the beginning of the Psalms, David is like, woe is me God you've left me out here to die at the hands of my enemy like have you forsaken me and he's just complaining but then at the end of every psalm David is a total change of heart a total change of attitude he reminds himself of the truth he's like okay God I know that you're not going to leave me out here to die at the hands of my enemy I know that you haven't forsaken me I know that you are my God I know that you're going to protect me I know that you're going to save me all that stuff he changes his attitude I love when my kids change their attitude, absolutely. Like when they recognize that their will is not leading them in a good place and it's going to get them in trouble, and they turn around and they realize that my will for them is leading them into a good place and it's what's best for them. It's just a sweet attitude that comes over them and they're they're repentant and, they're, um, and they totally change. I love that. It makes me want to take them out for ice cream, you know. But then I then I have to remind them that. You don't just get ice cream every day if you obey me, right? (laughs) That wouldn't be good either. So then he goes on to say, Paul goes on to say, And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Look, Paul's in prison and likely to die when he's writing this. And he's like writing to us saying like, yo, have a good attitude. <laughs> and he's about to, and the, the, the Philippians and the, um, all the modern day believers, they would have totally understood the language Paul was using. Him saying that he, would, he was going to be poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice. They understood that because that's how it was with the priests in the, in the tabernacle. They would, um, they would take, they would go to the table of showbread, Um, basically the communion table. And in the evening, they would take the wine and they would go and pour it out on the altar of incense as a sacrifice offering to God. And so he's basically, Paul's basically saying, look, my life is gonna be like that offering. I'm about to be poured out. I'm about to die for this cause. And they understood that. But guess what? Paul already had that mindset. Paul had decided long ago he was all in no matter what. In fact, he said it would be an honor. It would be an honor if I, if I were to, to fellowship with the sufferings of Christ or to become like him in death, that would be an honor to me. He says it like this in Philippians three. I'm gonna jump to uh, verse 10. He says, I wanna know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Tons of language like this in the New Testament. Look at Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your proper, this is your true and proper worship. So look, it's a, it's a win-win situation here. It, it's like, dude, if, if, if you live and no harm comes to you because of your faith, you get to live that's a win because you get to live all in and you get to have this, this uh, life that's alive, fully alive, and you're living for, for Christ and you're, and you're doing great things on earth. That's a great, that's a win. And then it's a win if you don't, if you die for your faith, that's a win too because you get to be with eternity, uh, with Christ for eternity. It's a win-win situation Uh, in fact that's actually really fun to say let's all say that together it is a win-win for those who go all in paul says it like this almost the same thing but in different words in philippians 1 21 he says for me to live is christ and to die is gain paul was reckless for the right cause that's why a lot of christians actually view him as one of the heroes of the faith and certainly anyone who becomes a martyr for Christ will be honored. So we have Jesus, who is the perfect example of selfless, reckless obedience. And we have Paul, who is a pretty good example as well. That's why he can say, look, follow me as I follow Christ. Because it's Jesus' example the example of Jesus that we're supposed to be following. All in, reckless, are you. Most of us in the room, we won't have to give our lives in the same way Jesus and Paul and most of the disciples did. But are you prepared? If and when the time comes, would you even have to think about it? Have you decided to follow Jesus no matter what? No turning back. No matter what the cost. Don't be a fool and follow the crowd. I asked this question, you know, if everybody was jumping off the bridge, would you? And of course, following Jesus is, is quite the opposite, right? Would you jump off the bridge if no one else were doing it? Because if, if it were so easy, if it were so obvious, if the reward, if everyone was so secure in the reward, if it was blatantly obvious, it didn't take very much faith at all, then everybody would be doing it. But in fact, most of people, the majority of people, the Bible tells us the, 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 the gate is narrow, the way, the path is narrow to follow Jesus, but the, the gate that leads to destruction, that is wide, a wide open gate. And here's the, that's the sad part is most people, the larger crowd, they're thinking that they have the safer bet and they don't realize it's leading to their destruction. And Jesus even tells us this, in a couple different ways Matthew 10:39 whoever finds their life will lose it and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it Luke 9:24 for whoever wants to save their life will lose it but whoever loses their life for me will save it so for those who, uh, of us who have already decided to follow Jesus, we are told several times in Scripture to stay alert, stay awake, stay reckless. Why? Why? If we already have the prize, if we already know where we're going for eternity, we already know we got the reward. Why? What, what's so important about staying reckless? What's so important about staying awake and staying alert? It's because... The prize isn't just for you. That's the first part, but the, the prize, the true prize is bringing as many people as you can with you and going and telling people, look, I found a prize, I found a reward. Most people don't see it, but come on, look, it's right over here. All it takes is everything. All it takes is going all in. All it takes is faith. That's tough. That's tough, but that's the prize. That is what we are living for telling them of the reward, reconciling people back to God. So so stay alert, stay reckless. Don't get weighed down by sin, comfort, distractions. There is a reason why God is so adamant about not bowing down to other idols, to have no God before him. He says that we can't serve both money and God. Why? uh, those Those are things that are just gonna weigh you down. They're gonna slow you down. So what's, how do we counter this? Bible tells us to throw off the weight. Throw off the, the things that weigh us down and to fix our eyes on the prize. Hebrews 12, one through 3 therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. What tends to happen is we grow weary and we lose heart, especially when we're distracted by comforts. The comfort zone is one of the biggest enemies of of an all-in life and living an all-out life for Christ so because our flesh is so weak right so what are we told in scripture to do how should we combat this we're told to live in the spirit not the flesh we're told don't become conceited provoking and envying one another Galatians 5 16 through 18 so I say walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want But if you are led by the spirit You are not under the law And what is, what is the, the, spirit, the, the joy, Love, joy, peace, patience All those things Those who belong, Galatians 5, 22 or, um, I'm going to jump down to verse 24 Those who belong to Christ Jesus Have crucified the flesh With its passions and desires See that's what, that's what an athlete has to do They have to crucify their flesh and their desires. They don't eat certain things. Like if they're if they are fully all in, committed, and they want to win that prize, that's what they have to do. And we're told, look, don't gratify, you gotta crucify your flesh. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. How about distractions? Our past, our past can be a huge distraction. But Paul tells us, look, he says, this is what one thing I do. He says uh, in Philippians 3, he says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So what are we supposed to do with when our past tries to distract us? and it tries to make our faith cold and it tries to make us um, ineffective. We're supposed to remember. We're supposed to remember. We're supposed to repent and, and remember our first love and remember why we went all in in the first place. Do you remember when, when Christ saved you? The first time that, it, that you gave your life to Christ, how excited you were, how grateful you were that Christ died on the cross for you, you were overwhelmed and, and you wanted to tell everybody that there's that, that thing that rises up and you're like, I t- there's a prize right over here. I gotta tell my aunts, my uncles. They don't know him. They don't know the prize. And you're just excited. Don't get distracted by your past. If you're gonna live an all-in reckless life, you cannot let your past Keep you from the prize. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last Forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified of the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. And it goes on to say look, there's tons of prizes and crowns out there that will not last. Tons of people risk way too much for uh, an unworthy reward but our crown is gonna last forever. This is the best price, so we have to stay alert. We have to stay awake. We have to stay reckless because it's not just for us. We have to remember why we went all in in the first place. It's because somebody went all in for me. That's our big idea today is remember Jesus and serve him selflessly and recklessly. It's like Memorial Day. We remember and we honor those sacrifice their life for us so we can have freedom they went all in for a worthy cause and the only way to honor them and the only way to honor Jesus is by following his example having that same kind of selfless reckless mindset kenosis empty yourself of your will in our families how can we recklessly love and serve our spouse, brothers and sisters, children? In our church, how can we recklessly serve and give to the church and tell others about the prize that we have found? At, you, at your workplace, how can you recklessly serve your coworkers and employees, your neighbors? How can you recklessly serve and love your neighbor? I want to invite us all um, we're going to sing another song here in a minute, but I, I want to, there's likely some people in the room that have never gone all in for Christ, and I, I want you to know, you can talk to us, you can, um, we'll have some friends out by the point later on that you could talk to, we can answer questions or or, or whatever, but we're ready for you. Um, we're ready every single week uh, to see people go all in for Christ and get baptized, um, I think the, probably the majority of the people in the room today, myself included, ours is more, we've made the decision to follow Christ, but guys, we need to rekindle our purpose. We need to, to, we need to get passionate again. We need to do the things that we did at first. Don't forsake your first love. Don't, don't forget why you went all in in the first place. It's not just for you. It's not just for you. There's a reward and there is a world of people that are going the opposite direction. They're jumping off the bridge and they don't even know it. They're all going towards a bridge that is going to destruction. It's leading to their destruction. So that's the prize. We gotta win them. We gotta win every man, woman, and child on the face of this earth that God cares about. That's every single person. That's the prize. So wake up, stay alert, stay reckless. Okay, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, uh, we love you. We know that, that you have loved us relentlessly, that you've pursued us, that you've loved us recklessly, that you've demonstrated your love, that while we were still sinners, while we were still your enemies, you, you, you sent your son and Christ, you died for us. God, we never want to take that for granted. We never want to um, um, dishonor that by getting by being weighed down by sin, by being uh, distracted by the comforts of this life. Um, we wanna be all in, God, for you. We wanna be all in and on mission to reach every man, woman, and child on the face of this earth. God, would you just rekindle that passion for us? Would you allow us to, um, t- to respond uh, by, by being the best that we can, by, by going all in in our homes, and in, in this church, in um outside of this church being the church to the hands and the feet to our neighbors and our, and um our coworkers, god would you just show us show us if there's anything that that we need to throw off a weight that's holding us down how we love you and we are all in for you and we remember you jesus every day we remember you and we want to be selfless and reckless just like you we love you god in jesus name we pray amen hey look there's there's going to be a number and a uh, and a Email up on the screen. Um, this is your time to respond. We want to know if you are making a decision. So look, um, if you're following Christ today going all in, email us or text us. Um, and we'd love to connect with you about that. If you're, that will actually work uh, for those of you guys watching online as well. Um, you can click on the links. Um, if, if you're here, I want you to meet with one of my friends that's going to be out by the point. and and just let them know they can answer questions or anything we're ready for you we've got everything in the back uh, towels change of clothes everything if you make that decision today let's get baptized um and even at home if you um want us we can walk you through how to to baptize at home in the tub or (laughs) in the pool or something um so we want that for you and um right now is another chance for you to respond um By telling God that you're all in, so let's let's sing this song together and respond to Jesus. Please stand and sing this song with us. And Jesus gave it all for us. So.